Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, here we go. Three, two. Hey, guys, Bill Spadia here for the Speaking Podcast. This week, I've got a special guest. We, uh, we turn this week to speaking politics. I want to introduce my friend Peter Brown, who is a former member of council in Linden. He's also a former Democrat, and we thought we'd have a chat, something he and I have been talking about since both of us were uh, having these discussions, sometimes agreeing, sometimes disagreeing on the finer points um, when, uh, when he was a panelist on my Fox TV show, Chasing News, uh, a little while back. But, uh, but now I bring him in to discuss what we wanted to uh, raise as a topic, the politics of color. Peter, great to see you. Thank you, Bill. Thank you for having me on. All right. So let's jump right in, uh, Peter. All we hear about, I'll just let, let me set the stage here. All right. Uh, first of all, you know, we had we had President Trump, who you and I didn't always agree on the finer points of some of the things that he had to say and the way he did it. But the unemployment among black Americans under President Trump's economic policies, forgetting, you know, the, the, the Twitter and some of the things he said and the way he said it and demeanor, forgetting all that um, historic low unemployment and historic highs when it came to entrepreneurship, opening new businesses, thriving in the economy. Uh, it was like the biggest stimulus the black community in America got was economic freedom and the ability to, to explode on the scene. Now we've got Joe Biden, and I don't mean this as a criticism of Biden or a praise of Trump. I wanted to analyze it objectively. Uh, you've got a new policy coming in, and the stimulus from the Democrats is about handouts. It's about going back to the way things were. It's all about uh, the level of checks. And even many Republicans are saying that, oh, 600 is too low. Let's get 2,000. Guys like me are saying, why aren't you going back to what Trump did before the lockdowns and say, do that because it worked? I mean, what you have right now on what's going on with if you're going to say Main Street, is that we haven't been focusing on Main Street. We haven't been smoke focusing on the small business. I mean, COVID-19 2020 has basically done away with small business. We've seen how small business has shifted um, now with big businesses, tech companies, Walmart, these large retailers are making money, but no one's talking about going back and helping out the small businesses. Trump is a business person. We all know that. He came into office being a business person, been a business person his whole life. He's not your typical career politician. I think that, you know, when we're giving out money, you talk about $2,000, so let's call it what it is. The terminology is called a helicopter money. The idea is for government to give money to people to stimulate the economy rather than teaching people, well, when you get this amount of money, investing it into yourself, investing it into business. And we know business in America is what drives the economy. You're a small business owner. You don't have anyone out there talking about innovation, small business, um, development, programs. That's how you're going to bring up communities. So, so Peter, you you were in a government position. You were a member of the Democratic Party. I want to talk a little bit about why you left uh, in a bit. But first, uh, let's address the color issue. It's like, right, it's the elephant in the room that, that there's an expectation when you're having a conversation with someone who is black or brown or somewhere in between 
that they are a liberal Democrat and that somehow those white Republicans are the problem. And uh, when you start to talk to real people who own businesses, you don't get that feeling. But what's your perspective on it? Because we are beaten over the head every day that we should absolutely recognize our race and the race card is played positive and negative and everything in between. I know a lot of people are sick of it. What do you say about it? The expectation in the black community that you will be a Democrat. Well, that's let's let's talk about it. right what you said is that the expectation is you are a Democrat. We don't have the conversation of what's the difference between a Democrat or Republican. We don't talk about issues. You know, when we when I was on your show, we talked about issues. It was issues first. Was I saying smart people talk about issues? Politics has come down to being identified. You either identifies being a Democrat or Republican, and then from there you identifies being white or someone who's of color, right? Now, we don't talk about, well, what does it mean to be a Democrat? What does it mean to be a Republican? And how are the ideas of these parties going to bring up a community? How is it going to have an impact on my family? We don't hear those words. We don't hear those terminologies. I think, you know, my generation, millennials, I think we are a little bit more want to hear about ideas. We don't care whether you're Democrat or Republican, but what are you going to do for my family? I mean, I think this is where you see some of the anger is we don't want to talk about race. We want to talk about my current living situation. If you're a Democrat or Republican, how are you going to help out? But when it comes for presidential election, we're going to go back to the basics and talk about race. I mean, come on. It's been going on for how many decades? Now? So, so Peter, what do you say to your kids? I, I, I know friends of mine when we were going through the whole Black Lives Matter thing way before the lockdowns. I mean, just from the uh, what happened in Ferguson, where facts went out the window, it just became a white cop, you know, black suspect. And um, and it was hard to even have a discussion about the facts and what the grand jury did. I don't want to necessarily revisit that whole thing, but that conversation really uh, hit a peak where it got very hostile. And I think there were a lot of people just afraid to touch the subject. Friends of mine have said things like, hey, you know, I have a conversation with my kid that growing up black means you look at police officers differently. Things are different for us. Uh, I always found that. And I had, I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm Italian American, according to 23andMe, I'm part Japanese. So, but, you know, I, I can't, I don't have that personal perspective, but you do. And, and what do you it's tell a, your kids? And where is this a is this a constructive way to approach it? I think so. I think my experience has been different. So has my children. Right. Growing up, um, my children have always been surrounded by police, law enforcement, um, fire department because of my position. And with them, they I've always told them to have a matter of respect. It's, it's not a matter of being a victim. But you have to understand that. A police officer is someone who's in a position of authority. I recognize that you do have some bad cops out there and you have some good cops. Um, and these are conversations that I have with my children that we're not having out there. I also though, want to point out is that we're not talking about what the school system is teaching them. And what you have is you have a lot of teachers that play into what's going on in the news rather than, you know what, you need to have a balanced uh, approach. You know, when you're uh, a cop, ask you to stop or when he's asking you to do things, you have to be respectful. It doesn't matter whether you're black or white. They are someone in a position of authority. We have gotten away from that narrative that all cops are bad. At the same time, Bill, I'm not sure if you remember when we had the Black Lives Matter, I was in New York and the people who were chanting some of these chants were not black people. They were white people talking about as far as cops being racist. You had black protesters who were not making those chants, but you could sense the anger. But at the same time, what you see is that you also have black cops 
uh, Hispanic cops. So are you saying that all cops are racist who are also black and Hispanic? You know, we have this mis- message out there. I think all so, this confusion we need to dissect. I mean, so cops- let's 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 take it to the next level. You're your governor. I mean, our governor in New Jersey, Phil Murphy, has marched with Black Lives Matter. He was um, not afraid to say, hey, we broke all the COVID protocols, but this was an important part of free speech. Then on the other side, you get the uh, the, the, the ralliers that wanted to protest the lockdowns, et cetera. They were all breaking protocols and they cracked down on them. Uh, forgetting the politics of that, let's put you in the governor's chair for a minute. You're in New Jersey. You're in this uh, very progressive, and I mean that in a political way, state where the government edicts are what dictates what happens in our economy, now our education, our families. I mean, we've never seen, in my lifetime at least, a government is so controlling and so powerful. Uh, and, and you've got people that are living in fear, not just of a virus, because you can't get through the propaganda that it's 99.8% survivable, that that goes out the window. You got people now wearing two and three masks. I mean, it's it's gotten completely out of control. But your governor, day one, what do you say to the black community as far as what needs to be done to fix the problems in the community that have led to this tension with police in the first place? High crime in the inner cities, crime has spiked. Minneapolis, Boston, um, uh, New York City, Philadelphia, Chicago, all out of control. Some of these murder numbers uh, in one city, I think it was Milwaukee, the numbers are up 94%. And a lot of this is happening in the neighborhoods that are predominantly um, uh, where predominantly uh, black and brown Americans live. What do you do to address it? Your governors, day one. Well, all right. So a couple of different things. You have to understand that you have to take race out of the equation. I know that's hard, but let's look at it. You pointed out on economics. I think that's one thing people don't understand. So whether you're white or whether you're black, it comes down to the economy. And if you're not bringing enough food home, I mean, enough money home to feed your family, you know what? That's a problem. I think that's where you see some of the anger on both sides that the economy. Now, if you look into your urban districts, Newark, Candom, you know, um, let's take those, for example, you have a high amount of poverty already before um, COVID-19. So I think Newark, for example, you have, uh, nine, um, I think, 18, 19 percent. Same thing with Elizabeth. So there's no job opportunities. Uh, the job that they are getting, we're championing $15 an hour. You can't live uh, uh, off $15 an hour. And so now all of a sudden, of course, you're going to see higher crime because people are going to resort to Doing acts is going to bring uh, uh, food home. I mean, I mean. Um, so how do you break the cycle, right? We used to hear by, years by creating ago. jobs. You have to create. You have to have um, um, valuable job. Not valuable. How, how do I say it? Um, sustainable jobs. You know, yeah. being. I give you a perfect example. Nick Scutari is my state senator. He wants to. He wants to legalize marijuana. And his idea is that we can have pot drivers. I talk to people from the black community. I talk to pastors. I talk to people my age. I talk to people older who are black. Even my father. That is not a sustainable job. That if a state senator like Nick Scutari expects our people, I mean our people, um, black people, to be pot drivers, you're not going to be able to support a family that way. No. What about black people becoming doctors, becoming lawyers, becoming professionals, financial professionals? There's so many job opportunities out there that we can train um, people within the the urban districts. You don't hear that talk. How do you um, address education? I mean, you were in Linden, the education system in Linden, clearly uh, better and higher performing than places like Elizabeth and Trenton and Camden and Newark for sure. Um, but but how do you address it? How do you bring 
a better education system that isn't uh, throwing out history and all the basics that they teach. Instead, we've got this ridiculous curriculum about sex and gender identity. I mean, that that's the driver from the yes. Department of Education. So how do you how do you get a quality education back to places like Newark when when you've still got a lot of violence and a lot of quality teachers are like, yeah, you know, I, I don't know if I want to be there. But even if the quality the, the, teachers are there, the system works against them. Well, so the, I, the, the, um, the World Economic Forum came out by skills, skills that are needed uh, for the workforce by 2025. Start with the basics. What skills are needed? It's not a matter of, you know, understanding sex. I'm sorry. When you go for a job interview, they're not asking you sexual preferences and that. They want to know what skills you have and what skills you can bring to the table to make that business profitable. Having certain skills make you uh, valuable in a marketplace. I agree, but we're talking about sex in middle school and, and, and we're talking about, I think one bill was talking about anal sex, but yet we're not teaching yeah, philosophy. Yeah. Philosophy yeah. how to think, critical thinking, uh, analytical thinking, um, creation, uh, be able to create content, uh, creativity, uh, writing, like we're talking about science, technology, engineering, arts, math, right? We're talking about STEM, STEAM, we talk about these ideas, but yet revert back to hot topic issues in the news that, listen, talking about sex in school, I'm sorry, leave that up to the parents. I, when I send my kid to school, I expect him to be learning skills that are going to make him marketable in this job environment. And I think I have to, you know, as a parent, I talk to my, my uh, children about that. And I tell them, listen, if they start talking about sex in your classroom, I tell my oldest, he's in sixth grade, I want you to tell me because I'm going to have a conversation with that school district that I'm sending him to learn that. I'm sending him there to learn about math. I'm sending him there about, uh, to learn about engineering. I'm sending him there to learn about skills that's going to help him. I think parents need to be, you know, start being outraged that our kids are not getting the quality education to compete on an international market. So while you, you left the Democratic Party, I mean, the Democratic Party has been virtue signaling for a long time, I think. And quite honestly, so have the Republicans. I mean, I, I've stayed a Republican, but uh, you look around the leadership of the Republican Party, they're just a complete and utter disaster in most places, New Jersey among them. Uh, they've done nothing to fight for small business. They've done nothing to push back against this radical curriculum. And uh, the debt explodes, $210 billion in unfunded future liabilities, et cetera. You left the Democrat Party. You're at an event and you've got your, uh, your friends around you. And let's say at a certain event, they're predominantly black. And they say to you, Peter, <laughs> you're the only Republican here. What do you say? It's very simple. Some of the most predominant leaders within the black community were Republican. You look at someone like W.E.B. Du Bois, who was like the standard. He was the founder of the NAACP. And what people don't know is he was a Republican. He was the editor of the Crisis Magazine. He was the first black graduate of uh, with a PhD from Harvard. He's like the standard of some of intellectual thought. You have a lot, you have Colin Powell, you have Condoleezza Rice, who are Republicans, right? So being labeled a Republican is not bad, but in this, uh, you know, Democrats, and, you know, especially this younger generation, if you're a Democrat, automatically you're blacklisted, right, for not being, quote unquote, black. When I think what you see is a, with a lot of the Republicans is that we focus on family values. And I've said before in your show, one of the problems is that politicians want to be entertainers and entertainers want to be politicians. And so what I find is that the Democrats are listening more to what's popular, what's on social media, rather than going back to the principles of building your middle class family. You know, it's family values, which is education. 
economic uh, growth and, and job opportunities, uh, community involvement. But we're listening to social media, just like just like um, um, like anything else. People think social media is reality when no, you have to go back to the basics. And we're not doing that um, with either parties. I think they're quick to see what's on Twitter, what's on Instagram, what's on Facebook and think that's the real news. How do you break that cycle? Like, do you, you know, I mean, as a as a father, it's got to be hard. I'm look, I, I admit it. I'm lucky uh, on a couple ends. I mean, I, I look at this saying, no, I didn't. Uh, grow up in the inner city in poverty, didn't deal with that conflict. I'm blessed in that way. And I think that to me drives me even further. I, you know, I work hard. I'm, I, I am middle class and uh, grew up, you know, I, I cut my teeth working on the shop floor at 12 years old. Uh, but I was fortunate enough that my dad was a small business owner and, and owned that shop. So I get that. And I think today, People immediately dismiss that as white privilege. And I say, I don't know, I'm working 12, 18 hours a day. I, I, show me where the privilege is. But I also do understand the other side of that, that you've got people that have been impoverished for decades, families that are, you know, they're, they're essentially the poverty is subsidized. How do you break that cycle when so many residents, I, I was saying this the other day to my wife, I said, you look at NYCHA in New York City, right, with the mm -hmm. rats and the roaches and the fact that the water gets shut off, the heat doesn't always work. People are living in absolute squalor with no opportunity, drug dealers and violence all over the place. Yet those same politicians who give people that say, yeah, but you got to keep voting for me because yeah. at least you got a roof over your head. I'm like, wait a minute. That is complete madness. And, and I, I guess, but, but again, I can look at it objectively. What do you say to somebody in that situation? Uh, you know, what's the answer? How do you break the cycle? I think one is, is I was speaking to a group of um, black leaders in Union County. And we we're talking about sometimes it's a matter of going back to the basics. When you talked about um, real racism back in the 60s and 70s, I'm sorry, racism back then is different than racism that you have now. And back in the 60s and 70s, whether you were on the side of Martin Luther King or, you were, or Malcolm X, one thing that they talked about was a couple of things. They talked about family. They talked about respecting women, you know, and they talked about the family unit, um, which is something that we don't talk about. I think politicians need to go back to the basics, whether you're Democrat or Republican, because it's the family unit that has been broken and broken in many different ways is that you talk about living in poverty. We talk about um, the conditions of our city is at some point someone's going to wake up, you know, and I say black people need to wake up and say, you know, what? I'm sick and tired of living like this. Someone who's been in office for 20 years, we got to vote them out. Doesn't matter whether they're Democrat or Republican, you get 20 years. You know, um, let's take Elizabeth. And I know I, I know I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. But again, 18 percent um, people living in poverty before COVID-19. The mayor's been in it for over 20 years. Let's yeah. use data. Same way we use data for COVID-19. Let's use the data as far as, you know, for the last 20 years. If your poverty rate has stayed the same, if your level of education has stayed the same, but yet you have people in position that have made more and more money, you know what? Are they really serving you or are they serving themselves? Let's use data the same way they use COVID-19. Let's attack poverty and let's do all that we need to do to drive down poverty rates, to increase education um, in, in our urban communities. Well, it's very simple. You have the census data to, to use. Yeah. You know, you make a great point, Peter. I mean, they use data in uh, South Korea, Japan, Florida, Texas, Tennessee, Sweden. Unfortunately, in New Jersey, we've, I don't know what kind of data the governor's using, but I, I understand your point and I agree with you that if you've got people stuck under the poverty level, 
uh, and you're talking about almost one in five residents, clearly something is broken. So look, I want to uh, regroup in a few weeks with you. I've got to leave it here. Uh, but uh, you've got some new ideas. I, I will say this, and I, I can speak for myself. I think that you need to get back into politics. I think the, no, the no. public square, <laughs> the public square needs your voice. I mean, there, you know, there aren't many voices out there. And I think a lot of people will say they don't want to be first. And they look around and say, well, OK, I'm living in squalor. But you know what? It could be worse on the other side. You know, maybe the grass is not greener. Maybe this is just the way it has to be. And, I, you know, I'm a, a big thinker. I know you're a big thinker. No, it doesn't have to be this way. We can break out of that. The American dream is real for everybody, white, black, and everything in between. But Bill, I think what makes you and me unique is that we can talk about ideas, come from two different point of views, and we walk away learning something. We have honest dialogue conversations. That's what happened with Chasing News. That's why you and me have a good relationship. We have gotten away from that in the country, in, in this country yeah. where as soon as someone disagrees with you, it's, you're racist or you're this, you're that. Yeah. It's like, whoa, 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 back up. Like, yeah. Listen, if we're going to be honest, if we're honestly going to be able to address problems, you have to be able to hear solutions from the other side. Come down and compromise. When I first started working in Trenton, Democrats and Republicans would sit down and work together. You don't have that now. No, it's gone. It's a shame. I, I agree with you. Uh, all right. Hey, look, always great to talk to you, Peter. I'm going to have you back on very soon. Uh, and uh, uh, what are you? You're on social media, though, right? You haven't dropped social media. Social media, yes. So we'll tag on this. We're, we're gonna. Uh, um, I'm gonna get back into the flow. We're gonna be talking a lot more. <laughs> okay. It's time because, Bill, this is the year. Believe it or not, in New Jersey, yeah. this is the year we can make a difference. You're talking about, yeah. you know, every person down in Trenton's up. 120 seats are up. You have your senators yep. for, and, right. and assembly people, and if people want to make a change, you remember back in the day, grip, get rid of incumbent. Um, yeah. Jim Garrett incompetent that all the time. So it's replaced rid of incompetent politicians. Ah, I love that. Now no. that's a good one. A restaging of grip. All right, man. Great to great to see you. Peter. No we'll be in touch very soon. Thank all right. you. Uh, Peter, hold on. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.